looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte, joined by my co-host, DJ Smith. And this is part three of the multi-part series that we are putting together. It's multi-part because we don't know how many parts it's going to be. It just depends on how much we get done. Each episode is really what it comes down to. Um, Just to recap over the first two episodes real quick. Episode one, how we were kind of finding deals and that was building relationships with brokers Episode two, part two was once we find those deals, how we're analyzing those deals, how we're looking at it. Uh, DJ, anything you wanted to add in there real quick without getting too into the weeds with those last two episodes? No, I like all the references to multi, multi family, multi part (laughs) recurring theme. So we're we're obviously into multiples. (laughs) Exactly. So This episode, really, we're going to go over that next step. So what happens after we analyze that deal? What's going to happen next? Once we analyze that deal, find the number, it's really going to be going into the LOI. We're going to explain what an LOI is, break it down, what step that is. And then DJ, maybe you can even tell us about our uh, stage gates that we go through for each deal. I think that's pretty important as well. Um, So let's just touch yeah, and uh, we can certainly do that, Dante. Sorry to jump on you there. Thought thought no, I had no, you taking a breath. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, we certainly, the reason, again, I think why we're doing this is, and we've mentioned it in prior episodes, uh, we've learned from people who are awesome syndicators, done tons of deals. Um, they obviously started in a different time because, Uh, If you're doing lots of deals, uh, it doesn't happen overnight. This is a process. You need to be patient. You need to be diligent. You need to stay on it. I went to a meetup last night and there was a lot of discussion around uh, the fact that if you're going to syndicate, that it takes time. Um, You need to network. Um, So just, you know, that theme. So what we wanted to do, the whole purpose of these episodes is to share with people what our journey is uh, in this day and time. So we're not doing this uh, to solicit funds or anything like that. We just uh, thought it was relevant to share and communicate and help other people understand, uh, first of all, that we're dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And second of all, um, that uh, we just wanted to share with other people who are also getting in this or thinking about getting into it. Uh, We're not saying that we're doing everything right, uh, but we're, we are making progress, which is a, a good sign that we're, we're on a pretty good path here. Um, and we certainly don't want to look at others and judge others for their journey. Um, again, this is about networking. It's about sharing. I think part of the networking process is, is being open about where we're at, uh, what we're doing and trying to help out others. So hopefully some people get some confidence in us and our integrity Uh, that we are trying to do the right things and we can all educate each other and build each other up. So we welcome comments and feedback on this uh, and always love to hear from other people relative to their journeys. 
Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think that's really well said. And it doesn't happen overnight because right now, if I decided to go buy a duplex, I can go buy 20 right now and I could make offers and they're available and I can get them accepted and I can close on them. With these multifamilies, it's very different. There's a lot more steps and they're not all readily available where I can just go make offers on them and take them down. It, it's not that easy. So, but yeah, let, let's get into the LOI. So what is an LOI? An LOI is a letter of intent. So if you're used to operating in the single family or small multifamily space, you're used to having just a purchase agreement, uh, a sale agreement, whatever they want to call it in that county, in that state. And it, it really lays out the whole contract. You fill it out, you send it over to them, and the seller will initial it if they decide to move forward. That's going to have all of your terms on it. It's about seven or eight pages long, again, depending on where you are. Where multifamily or commercial, that is, there's an LOI. It's really a one or two pager that really just is a high level of what you'd like to offer for this property and some very high level terms. It doesn't get into the weeds. You know, the purchase and sale agreement could be anywhere up to 30 pages, but this is, you know, a one, two pager. And I, I do want to talk about what is included in our LOI and how that looks. And, you know, to describe it to people that are listening that visually cannot see it. Um, Right. So Dante, going back to your uh, like single family purchase and sale agreement, that is a template. There are state templates for those things. You, while there are templates out there for uh, a letter of intent, uh, we've seen many different versions and they're all oh, yes. specific uh, to the buyer. Uh, so we needed to decide what to put in our so uh, others that are out there doing this that are listening to it you likely have a different version than ours right uh, we decided you know based on where we're at to go with what we're about to talk about uh so again uh open to feedback and comments and uh always looking to get a little bit better and we just wanted to share with you what we did in this particular situation exactly and it's really what works best for you Everyone has their own preference. We really take the mass. We look at, you know, eight, 10 different LOIs and we pick out the best of what we like in each. So what we found looks really sharp and is professional, you know, top left, you've got the date, top right, we've got our logo. And then we'll say, you know, dear seller or dear broker, we are pleased to present our LOI to purchase XYZ apartment at XYZ address with the following terms. And terms, very simple. Purchaser, RLLC or assigns. Not that we're wholesaling the deal, but we will have a different entity that owns the property and we want to make sure that's known up front. That way there's no surprises in the purchase and sale agreement. Uh, next one, probably the biggest one, the purchase price. So it, it just says purchase price and then has the actual purchase price itself. Um, next one is purchase and sale agreement. So it's basically just saying when the purchase and sale agreement will take place. Not going to read the whole thing, but to summarize, the purchase and seller shall proceed diligently and in good faith to finalize and agree and execute on a PSA within seven business days after the LOI. Typically the buyer is going to start drafting up the purchase and sale agreement, and then it gets sent over to the seller, which will get marked up by the attorney. And we go back and forth a few times called redlining. So really adjusting and editing that purchase and sale agreement. Next section, we have earnest money. So this is where it's going to tell you if it's refundable or non-refundable for the earnest money deposit and in what amount and how soon they should expect to get it. So ours is earnest money, refundable earnest money in the total amount of XXX 
will be depositive within five business days after execution of a purchase and sale agreement. So a few things I want to touch on there real quick, refundable versus non-refundable. That's a big one right now as non-refundable is showing that you're much more competitive and it's such a competitive environment. So what that means is when we go to do our 30 or 45 days of due diligence, if we find anything and decide to back out, that deposit will come back to us. Therefore, it's refundable. Non-refundable means from day one, as soon as we hand that deposit over, it goes hard, which means we do not see it back and it goes to the seller and stays there. So that way, if we do back out, you know, they get to keep it. It's more incentive for us to stay in the deal. Keep in mind, if the seller brings any fraudulent information or misrepresentation of anything on the deal, we do get that deposit back. That is now voided, that non-refundable uh, part there. And then the second part I wanted to touch on was the business days. So we do say business days instead of just five days. We say five business days because as we execute this contract on, say, like a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, we now have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's three business days then Monday, Tuesday, the following week. So we actually get another two bonus days in there being the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, DJ, anything you want to touch on so far moving forward? Yeah, I, I think that's an important distinction. And with ours, we had our uh, offer accepted uh, just prior to Memorial Day weekend. Um, yep. So, you know, attorneys aren't available and so on. So it's, it's a good distinction to have. Yeah, exactly. All right, moving on to the next section. And we're still on page one. So this is a very short one pager. Due diligence. So we state the due diligence period is 30 days in this standpoint. And after the execution of the PSA and the due diligence period shall start once the seller supplies us all with the, uh, the requested due diligence documents. Um, and then that's going to go down to the next section, which is seller deliverables. And actually, Dante, before we go there, uh, mm -hmm. one thing just popped into my head too about this earnest money. Uh, people are probably wondering how much. Uh, oh, yeah, so, that's a good, good point. Yeah, typical is 1% uh, of purchase price. That's what yep. we did for this. Now, keep in mind, as deals get bigger, th this deal is uh, a smaller deal, 36 units. So uh, when you get into larger deals, uh, and actually I was at a multifamily meetup last night that I mentioned uh there was discussion around a larger deal that took place uh, where the purchaser put in an offer that included half a million dollars going hard day one. Yep. And they were beat out by a deal that was a million dollars going hard go. day one. So there's, there's the extremes, right? So those are, you know, some of your larger syndicators doing really big deals, lots of experience. They must've had some level of confidence Right. But just to dial it in relative to how much can you expect to put down uh, with us, uh, you know, we think probably a less sophisticated seller. Um, we made, I think, a strong offer in terms of purchase price right. um, and thought we did some other things and didn't feel like we had to go hard day one. Exactly. You know, we weren't competing. It wasn't a multiple offer situation. It was pre-marketed. So we're the only ones looking at it. And you know, to give an example, another deal that we made it to best and final in, in the Greensboro market, you know, ended up trading for 6.8 million and the winning bidder, basically the winning buyer had their earnest money go hard day one of $400,000. 
that's just shy of 6%. So that 1% rules out the window at that standpoint, they were being very aggressive. So we, we talk about, you know, due diligence period starts, that's when the earnest money goes in. And when does the due diligence period start is when the seller delivers all due, due diligence documents. So we have seller deliverables. So seller will provide all requested due diligence materials within two business days after PSA execution, including latest property survey. Um, that is one thing that we, we put in there. Um, if purchaser is required to have an update or new survey, seller will pay associated costs. So again, these are all things that are negotiable, but this is what we put in as our first offer. Um, yeah, now, our- keep, yeah, keep in mind too that uh, some of these due diligence items, I've seen some people put a list of due diligence items in there. That's probably something that will do what is actually is going to be required. But some of this is obviously going to tie into the purchase and sale agreement. Right. And a lot of times there are terms in that purchase and sale agreement that say, you'll provide documents A, B, C, and D and anything else that we need. Uh, so, you know, the enforceability of some of this stuff, obviously letter of intent is a commitment that, hey, we both want to do the deal, but it is non-binding. So I think that's another important thing uh, here. However, from a credibility standpoint, if we put out an LOI and we don't move forward with good integrity, then certainly we're hurting ourselves from with regard to our business reputation. We're hurting our relationship with a broker uh, and we're going to limit our ability to be able to get deals in the future. So it is important that when we put one of these letters in that we can stand behind it. And most importantly, that we're prepared to move. Yep, and exactly. we, we did that quickly. So just as an example of that, Within, uh, you know, we mentioned our offer was accepted. We immediately reached out to our attorney, um, our, our real estate attorney. We received a draft uh, PSA, purchase and sale agreement. I think we received that on a Friday. We had it back to our real estate attorney on Monday uh, so that we were ready to just discuss our markups uh, and then get it to the seller. So we did our end of the PSA agreement, I think in less than two business days, we had it out there. Right, exactly. So we we're, you know, we were moving quick. Yeah. I'm, last part of the first page of the LOI, it's a two-pager, is the closing. So the closing will occur 60 days after the PSA effective date. So to sum it up, that's 30 days after due diligence. So it's described as 30-day DD. 30 day close. So that's a total of 60 days. So from when that PSA is executed, meaning all parties sign it and agree to it, and it's now binding, you have 30 days of due diligence, and then you have 30 days to closing. So 30 DD, 30 close is really the, the, the terminology for it used in the commercial realm. So let me just review those real quick. Who the purchaser is, the purchase price, the PSA timeline, earnest money, AKA deposit, due diligence, seller deliverable documents, and closing. All that is just on the first page. So there's a decent chunk of info there, but it's short and sweet. That's how I like it. That's how I try to do things and just put it on there. And then going to the second page, it just states how this is a non-binding agreement. It has our contact info, and then it has the seller's name and signature. So if they do decide to agree to this, they'll sign it and they'll send it over to us. And then even though it's not binding, so they can accept another offer, 
that shows that we both have good intentions that we want to move forward with these terms and we're going to dig deeper to make this happen. Yeah. So one other item on there, expiration date. Uh, yes. Yep, obviously, yeah, we don't want this thing to be out there forever. We do want to put some reasonable pressure on the seller to make a decision. Uh, so for this one, we said seven business days and again, various opinions and, uh, you know, look at the specifics of your particular deal to determine you know, what's the best amount of time to put in there for expiration. Exactly. And so every time we, we find a deal that we like, this is what we do. We submit an LOI and so does everyone else. And it makes it much easier because, you know, this doesn't cost any money to write up. It doesn't take any time. It takes me 30 seconds to put it together. And then once there's interest or once there's an agreement, now we get the attorneys involved. Now we start racking up those fees, take that time and, and really put in all the effort to move forward. So we've submitted, you know, 10, 12 of LOIs into deals. And now we're, you know, starting to get some accepted, make some of the best and final. And sometimes there are a few LOIs that go in. So maybe you have the call for offers. That's going to be your first one. And then the broker will say, okay, we have 30 offers on the table. We have 30 LOIs. Now we're going to go to best and final, which is in another week. So that means that everyone that had LOIs in, the broker is going to contact a short list of them, probably the top five to 10, say, I'd like to invite you guys to best and final. And that's when they invite us to submit another LOI, either the same, if that's what we think the property is worth truly, and that's our top dollar. Or maybe we want to go up X amount and we'll resubmit the LOI. And that's when they go to choose the final buyer. And that's re really what it comes down to. Yeah. And uh, so on this particular deal too, one of the things that came up that is not typical uh, because we're newer at this is uh, they had actually asked us for proof of funds. Um, yep. And the proof of funds was required for the difference between the purchase price and the amount of lending that we were going to obtain. So it wasn't about our capital raise or anything like that. Uh, so we wanted to, we had the ability to do that. We wanted to turn around quickly. Again, quick response, let them know that we're all over it. Uh, another thing uh, that's that I've been told that we haven't experienced yet is sometimes when they go to best and final, that best and final may also include interviews. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Buyer-seller interviews. Yep. Uh, so that's another thing that where they can, you know, ask the right questions, get a comfort level. The bottom line with all this is that they want to know, and you as a potential buyer need to make sure that you can close. So Dante and I have had extensive uh, planning meetings and teaming meetings with key partners that will participate in the next steps. But we are confident that when we have an offer accepted, that we can close, that our lending is in place, that we have the right uh, equity in place, that we have people that can take us through due diligence, real estate attorney, syndication attorney, um, and just making sure that we know that we can move these stages along um, you know, get through. So Dante mentioned stage gates. Maybe now Dante is a good time to talk about it. I'm going to, right before you do, I'm just going to touch yep. on what you just mentioned. So yeah, okay. proof of funds. I hear some syndicators submit proof of funds with their LOI sometimes mm -hmm. just to look a little bit stronger, maybe a picture of the deposit checker, however that is, or where they plan on wiring it from. Um, I have seen that before. 
And then touching on the buyer seller interviews, it's really the seller just wants to know that you can close, that you're not wasting their time. You're not tying up their property, or maybe they have to get the money back to their investors at a certain time. And now they'll be short of that time if you can't close. So the, the listing brokers will conduct those interviews and it'll, it'll just be, where are you getting the funding from? What type of equity? What is your business plan? What's your track record? X, Y, Z, you know, and they have every right to ask these questions. Sure. So that's kind of a little bit of how the path goes. But DJ, why don't you touch on those stage gates? Yeah. And, and actually, I'm going to build on what you just said, too, because think about it from a seller standpoint, when they have an offer accepted, what's the first thing we do? We get into negotiation of a purchase and sale agreement and all the due diligence documents. It's a lot of effort. It's not a simple process on behalf of the buyer or the seller to transition a property. Ain't buying a duplex here. <laughs> That's right. So with regard to the stage gates, we are certainly excited that we have an offer accepted, but we're not at the closing table yet. So the way we think about this is we need to get uh, our properties, the properties we've had accepted offers on through four stage gates is what we refer to them as. The first stage gate is that offer acceptance where we get the signed LOI. Uh, the next stage and the one that we're going through right now is the purchase and sale agreement. Uh, so with regard to getting an executed purchase and sale agreement, sometimes the seller provides it, sometimes the buyer, and obviously both parties are going to comment on it. So we'll save that one for, I guess, a different podcast, but the next key piece, and we talked about it relative to the LOI, is getting through due diligence. It's a team effort, property managers involved, uh, a whole lot of aspects that go into making sure that the property was properly represented, that you can meet your underwriting and protect your investors. And then finally, if you get through due diligence, uh, then getting to the closing table. Um, and getting to the closing table requires things like your equity raise, like your, uh, your, your debt to be in place, um, and all those financial elements of the deal that occur in parallel with uh, going through your due diligence process. Right. So those are our four stage gates. So LOI acceptance, purchase and sale agreement, execution, uh, the due diligence, and then finally closing. Right. And, you know, people need to understand that there's, there's still many things that can happen that this deal may not move forward. We have to go to due diligence and we might find some stuff. We might, you know, physical inspections, financial audit, find some whatever information that is. And, you know, we'll get into that in future episodes, but just because we haven't accepted LOI, just because we're at PSA does not mean that we're going to be able to move forward with this deal and everything's going to go smoothly because th there could have always be something. And, yeah. Uh, and and we're, we're optimistic that we can get through those stages, but mark our words, if something is misrepresented, if the deal isn't or doesn't match up with our underwriting, our responsibility first and foremost is to protect our investors, to make sure that we don't move forward with something where uh, A, we would lose their money or B, we can't make them money. So we want to make sure we satisfy those two conditions. Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody can see into the future, but we certainly believe that by Ex or executing the due diligence process with excellence by having solid underwriting. And, and I was really proud, you know, I keep talking about Dante and how he's quarterbacked our underwriting process and how well he's done. Uh, and I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but I'm going to say it again. We had an experienced syndicator say to us that the Victory Capital Group underwriting is top notch. 
so waving the flag a little bit uh, about my partner, um, we, we've worked very hard at it. We mentioned earlier that all the systems we put together, it's, it's really not us reinventing syndications. That's not what we're doing. Right. Our, our goal and everything that we do is to take what's a tried and true practice. Syndications are a common thing out there. A lot of people haven't heard about them and, and don't know this more sophisticated uh, piece of real estate investing, uh, but it is a common thing. They're, they're done every day, uh, you know, just millions and millions of dollars uh, trading, not really trading hands, but being invested into these syndications, which, you know, by definition, it's a group of people coming together for a common purpose. So you have people that quarterback the deals, your general partners, that's the space that we're operating in, and your equity investors, those are the limited partners that pool their resources to make these things happen. And uh, we just want to make sure that people can trust in us uh, if they're willing to put their money with us. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's well said. I think that's a good point to wrap up this episode for this week. Uh, and we'll probably get into more purchase and sale agreement, what that means and what our findings are on the next episode. So for everyone tuning in, we always appreciate you. If you do have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out to us. Dante at victorycapgroup.com, DJ at victorycapgroup.com. Always open to any feedback, uh, constructive criticism or whatever you guys have. We yeah, really let's grow together. Yeah, it, exactly. Grow. Yep, absolutely. So awesome. See you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.